Views and opinions expressed by callers, guests, and hosts do not necessarily reflect those of the Black Talk Radio Network and Black Talk Media Project. Black Talk Radio is new black media for the new millennium. Reparations, conversation, reparations, conversation, reparations. Welcome to Conversation Reparations, brought to you by Incobra, the National Coalition of Blacks for Reparations in America on Black Talk Radio Network. We have come to the end of what we call the Gregorian calendar year. Uh, this will be our last installment in 2019 as we prepare for 2020. And so we thought today, oh, let me back up a little bit. My name is Brother Jumoke Ifeitayo. I serve as the co-host of this show, also as the Southeast Regional Representative of Incobra and the local male co-chair of the Atlanta chapter of Incobra. So as I was saying, we thought this year this show would be a good time to give a wrap-up of the whole year I'm calling it the amazing year of the reparations movement because there were many uh, historical and markers and and first that happened in the reparations movement and the momentum has just continued to build and build um, since the very beginning of the year all the way to today and continues to build. And so we've many of the some of the things that I will talk about in this. Uh, show or things that we've actually gone in depth and talked about on various shows and isolated them in, as a particular topic, but we just wanted to give you the, uh, put it in a chronological order so you could just see the context and see that this has been a year that has been moving and, um, as I said before, making historical or we like to say our historical markers along the road for reparations. 
So let's just go ahead and move into it, and then maybe towards the end of the show, depending on how well I do with the time, I might just pick one or two topics just to explore in more detail. All right, so we're going to begin the year 2019 on January the 3rd. That is the year when Congresswoman Sheila Jackson Lee reintroduces H.R. 40 in the U.S. House of Representatives. H.R. 40, as you know, is the Commission to Study and Develop Reparations Proposals for African Americans Act, and when she introduced it, it had 35 co-sponsors. We've talked a lot about H.R. 40 in past episodes and the significance of H.R. 40. We'll continue on on January the 12th, and COBRA hosted something called Hashtag Conversation Reparations, What Do You Believe? This was a six-hour reparation show hosted in Atlanta on the community radio station in Atlanta, focusing on faith tradition support for reparations and the 50th anniversary of the Black Manifesto. On that show, we had people from different faith traditions, from Nation of Islam to Lost Foundation of Islam to Hebrew Israelites to African traditional religion, Yoruba, Ifa tradition, uh, and many and several others, uh, Christian tradition, to talk about what their faith has said about reparations and, and to what degree that their denominations have supported the reparations movement. It's a very powerful show that we uh, put on. And coming in still in January, January, on January 28th, which I think is one of the important markers to recognize is when Marion Williamson announced her candidacy for the presidency. And in her announcing of her candidacy, she announced that one of the platforms was going to be reparations for African Americans. Specifically, she said that uh, she would propose a commission that would be funded with $100 billion for reparations for African Americans. And it was that that once she put that out there into the presidential space coming into February, different reporters and individuals began to ask the other presidential candidates about their support for reparations. And you had um, people like Elizabeth Warren, presidential candidate Elizabeth Warren, Julian Castro, and Kamala Harris, uh, and many, many uh, of the Democratic candidates for president uh, acknowledging that they supported H.R. 40, that they supported reparations. Again, this really elevated the conversation for reparations to have Democratic candidates speaking of their support for reparations. The Chicago chapter of Encobra on February 23rd hosted Professor, Professor William Darity of Duke University. And Professor Darity was the lead author of a report called What We Got Wrong About the Wealth Gap. This report concludes that only reparations can have a meaningful effect on the huge wealth gap that exists. Before his presentation to the public, we also scheduled a special meeting with him and elected officials, African-American elected officials in the state of Illinois to bring them up to speed to his work. What his work basically argues is that when people say that, well, you know, we could just focus on education or we just need to focus on, I guess, investment or we need to focus on black business and these different things, and his report says that we could do all of those things 
and there's still not closed the wealth cap. Only some massive infusion um, like reparations will be able to do that. And he's become one of the leading economists and spokespersons on the reparations issue. So we were happy to be able to host him, the Incorporated Chicago chapter. The reason we hosted him, particularly around February 23rd, is because February 25th, Cobra has deemed as National Reparations Awareness Day. And we chose as a theme this year for our National Reparations Awareness Day, after 400 years of terror, reparations now. After 400 years of terror, reparations now. This is the 2019, the 400th anniversary of the first enslaved Africans being brought to British America, uh, to a British colony, because there was already um, enslaved Africans and Africans in other parts of what's now known as the United States of America. So on on National Reparations Awareness Day, myself and others, uh, we go to schools. I actually spoke at a college at Wayne State University in Detroit, Michigan, and also spoke to an elementary school, Timbuktu Academy of Science and Technology, and spoke to young people about reparations and all around uh, the nation. Members of Cobra chapters have made presentations on reparations on National Reparations Awareness Day. Before the month closed out on February 27th, Nancy Pelosi, the Speaker of the U.S. House of Representatives, when asked by a student at Howard University about reparations, she said that she will support reparations and H.R. 40. Again, Nancy Pelosi being a key player in the House of Congress, uh, being a, a power broker, is um, for her to support H.R. 40, for her to declare her support for H.R. 40, again, a historical marker. February 27th, a group organization called the Fellowship of Reconciliation, a large uh, coalition of faith-based organizations and church denominations, hosted a spirituality and reparations webinar also on February 27th. Coming into March, from March 14th through the 16th, Universities Studying Slavery and the ninth Annual Lemon Project Spring Symposium with the theme Celebrating Legacies, Constructing Futures, 400 Years of Black Community and Culture was held at William and Mary University in Williamsburg, Virginia. This uh, association, the University Studying Slavery, and we actually had a special show on the fall at this time, we was we weren't doing the show, and we just started out doing this show in June. But there's uh, this group, the University Studying Slavery, meets twice a year in the spring and in the fall. So at the spring gathering, this is a gathering of over 60 universities who are all looking at their historical ties to slavery and racism on their college campuses and looking at what are some ways that they can address that and make some amends and make some atonement for that. And at the at the one in March at William & Mary, I organized, uh, through Encobra, we organized two panels on reparations. Coming um, March the 25th, every year March the 25th, many people may not be aware, the United Nations has declared March the 25th, the International Day of Remembrance for the Victims of Slavery and the Transatlantic Slave Trade. 
So different organizations around the world organize events in recognition of the International Day of Remembrance of the Victims of Slavery in the Transatlantic Slave Trade. Uh, April 2nd, a group of students at the Princeton Theological Seminary demand the institution to pay reparations in response to a report that is published that that was republished last year, which details the ties to Princeton Theological Seminary ties to slavery. And we're going to pick up on that. What was some of the follow-up of that? But just wanted to know. A lot of times when when things happen, it's important to know that there is a context that this. You know, when you hear an announcement that say Princeton Theological Seminary announced that they were going to put twenty-eight million dollars into a reparations fund, but that was um, that's a context of that there was work that went on before you got to that point. So we that's one marker we know on April second, a group of students. So coming into coming into April, we're in April now, April 3rd through the 6th, the National Action Network Annual Conference in New York, where Al Sharpton asked um, many of the presidential candidates, as I mentioned, some of them had already gone on record saying they support reparations, some of them had not, um, but he asked all of the ones that came to his convention um, did they support? Would they support HR 40? HR 40 was brought to the desk, and they all said yes. Again, adding to the number of presidential candidates who declared their support for reparations. On April 9th, United States Senator and presidential candidate Cory Booker introduces HR 40 companion bill in the Senate. Again, we pause on this date to acknowledge this as a historical marker. The first time that there is a bill in Congress at the House level and now at the Senate level to look at reparations proposals. A commission in models it's the it's patterned after HR forty, which is the House version. Now there's a Senate version that was introduced by Cory Booker to study and develop reparations proposals for African Americans Act. Again, this is a historical marker, the first in the reparations movement that elevated the conversation of reparations. And again, there was back work on that as well. And COBRA, our legislative commission, had been meeting with Cory Booker for several years in terms of getting him to consider doing this. And again, with this momentum of reparations, he decided to go ahead and do this in on uh, introduce this bill. April the 12th, Georgetown students on their own initiative hold a referendum that passes two to one that they would tax themselves, that they would pay an additional $27.27, excuse me, that they would spend, an, that they would pay an additional $27.20 per semester to go into a reparations fund, primarily for descendants of the GU-272. Again, we had a spokesperson who is actually a descendant because this story is, revolves around the fact that Georgetown sold 272 enslaved Africans to pay off their debts so that the Georgetown could be solvent, and I believe that was in 1838. And again, we on one of our shows, we had uh, one of the descendants because of the students and the faculty went and went down to Louisiana and connected with some of the descendants 
from that sale. And so one of the descendants from that sale was one of our speakers on one of our shows that we did. So again, April 26, there was a conference on reparations in Chicago. And there were so many conferences, so we won't be even able to do justice. There's so many conferences that have been held throughout 2019 on reparations uh, at the college level and, and, and other levels as well. Many of them hosted on college campuses, but there's been others as well. So May 2nd through the 5th, the Atlanta chapter of Incobra, Southeast region of Incobra, along with the Fellowship of Reconciliation, host the Black Manifesto Revival here in Atlanta, Georgia, to honor the 50th anniversary of the Black Manifesto and to challenge European-American faith-based institutions to do more in their support for the reparations movement. Uh, again, this conference was a four-day conference, and we had faith-based leaders from Jewish synagogues, Christian faith tradition, other faith traditions, Muslim um, faith traditions to talk about, what again, what their role has been in supporting the reparations movement and challenging them to do more. We also had a Reparations Sunday as a part of that convening, which is Reparations Sunday, which is the last, which is the Sunday of the, of the conference. The church service, the whole church service was oriented around reparations, and they also took up a special offering and made a donation to the reparations movement. And we plan to uh, continue that effort as well. So coming into June 19th, all right, we want to put take a put a special marker on, on June 19th. June 19th, uh, also known as Juneteenth. I'll, I say that if there, if we're going to call 2019 the amazing year of the reparations movement, then we're going to call June 19th the amazing day of the reparations movement. On June 19th, the Movement for Black Lives held a reparations webinar. But the most profound thing that happened on June 19th, in addition to that, was the, actually there was another webinar held again by the organization I mentioned before, the Fellowship of Reconciliation, also had a webinar on June 19th. But the most profound thing that happened on that day was a congressional hearing on H.R. 40 was held in Washington, D.C. Danny Glover, Tanahasi Coates, and others testified at a congressional hearing uh, led by Sheila Jackson Lee and others on the bill, H.R. 40 for reparations, the reparations bill. Uh, also, Cory Booker came and spoke uh, representing the Senate at that hearing as well. That hearing got a lot of press. And so, again, an important marker, when a bill gets a hearing, that means the bill is moving forward. It gives more edification and credibility to the bill. And this is only the second time since H.R. 40 has been introduced since 1989. This is only the second hearing that has been held. And even the first hearing was, we could call, marginalized. It was held in December with very little um, publicity or very little acknowledgement. So this, this one, unlike that one, 
was well publicized and, and many people heard about it. Also wrapping up on June 19th, the ACLU, along with the National African American Reparations Commission, hosted a reparations symposium in Washington, D.C. as a follow-up on the same day to the congressional hearing. Many of the people who were at the congressional hearing testified along with Sir Hillary Beckles, who is the leader of the Caribbean Reparations Commission. All of the Caribbean islands agreed some years ago to create a Caribbean Reparations Commission, and the leading and the spokesperson for that commission spoke in D.C. on June 19th about the historical uh, meeting of the congressional hearing on H.R. 40, as well as others spoke at that symposium in Washington, D.C. June 20th through the 23rd, coming right on the heels of June 19th, is was the annual Encobra National Convention. This was the 30th annual National Convention. It's interesting that that HR 40 as well as Encobra was marking its 30th anniversary. We had that convention in Washington, excuse me, not in Washington, in Detroit, Michigan. And that and that was a very powerful, powerful convention for Encobra. We had um, as our highlight for that, uh, Minister Louis Farrakhan as our keynote speaker at a town hall meeting. Um, we also had, we also honored uh, Greg Mathis. Judge Greg Mathis was a keynote speaker at our banquet. We also honored Congressperson John Conyers, who attended with his son. Um, Congressperson John Conyers had a, had been, has been invited to many in COBRA conferences over the years. Sometimes he has attended, sometimes he has sent a representative, but this was the first convention where we honored him for his work. And as you as well said now a little bit early, but out of our timeline, but um, a few months later, John Conyers, who was 90 years old at the time, uh, transitioned this year. And we believe that actually his appearance at this at our Encobra convention was his last public appearance. And we also want to recognize some, I mentioned the, the men, we also want to balance that out. And we have some heavy hitters in the reparations movement also that attended our convention and were key players, uh, Reverend Joanne Watson, uh, former city councilwoman in Detroit and just a longtime activist on the reparations front in Detroit, host their own radio show and television shows, and dynamic leader in the reparations movement, helped the Detroit NAACP chapter to pass a resolution at the national level um, to have the NAACP to support the reparations movement. People like Nkichi Taifu, long-time, one of the co- long-time member of NCOBRA, uh, long-time activist around reparations, Fire Toure, also known as uh, Rose Sanders, Fire Toure, uh, dynamic lawyer uh, based in Selma, Alabama, who's been active in the reparations movement. Uh, many, 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 many more names um, uh, we could talk about. Dr. 
Leonard Jeffries and Dr. Rosalind Jeffries giving us words of encouragement and support at our conference. Um, the Dean of, uh, of Activism in Chicago, Dr. Conrad Worrell, also active with the Incobra Convention. So, yes, that was a very <clears throat> pivotal convention. We we made it very clear to the public and to our Incobra leadership what our vision was, what our mission was, what our uh, what should I say our marching orders coming out of that convention to focus on continuing to build around HR 40 and the Senate Bill 1083, and we continue to uh, push that as well as other discussions around uh, strategies around reparations as well. On July 1st, there was there was a national press conference held at the National Press Club in Washington, D.C., focusing on reparations in the 2020 elections. Some of the guest speakers who attended that national press conference, in addition to NCOBRA members, was Malik Shabazz, National President of the Black Lawyers for Justice, again, Dr. Leonard Jeffries, uh, Hashim Nzinga, the National Chairman of the New Black Panther Party, and Dr. Mustafa Ansar of the Afro-Descendant Institute of Human Rights. Continuing in July, let me do a time check here. Okay, okay that's good. We're just about at the half-hour mark. July 16th, United States Senator Chuck Schumer, the highest-ranking Democrat in the U.S. Senate, says that he supports reparations and Senate Bill 1083, the bill we referred to introduced by Corey, U.S. Senator Cory Booker, companion bill to H.R. 40. Again, this is a uh, monumental marker to have the highest-ranking Democrat in the U.S. Senate to speak out and to speak his support of uh, now a Senate version of H.R. 40 in the Senate. So we marked that day, July 16th. On July 27th, the Movement for Black Lives introduces a reparations toolkit for activists and organizers. And let me um, bring some clarity because some people uh, may not be familiar with the distinction between Black Lives Matter and the Movement for Black Lives. So Black Lives Matter is an organization that was formed by some sisters shortly after um, the murder of Trayvon Martin in Florida and uh, grew into uh, a hashtag movement. Uh, the Movement for Black Lives, however, is a formal coalition of over 300 uh, social justice and youth-based organizations that have come together to extend and organize and build around the hashtag Black Lives Matter and to take it to another level. And one of the things that they did was they said, well, in addition to just um, taking it to the streets as they did around uh, police murder of innocent uh, and vigilante, I guess that we include Trayvon Martin and others, uh, murder of, of our brothers and sisters with pretty much no repercussion in most of these cases. They 
came together and developed a strategy around what were going to be the areas of work that they were going to focus on. And they came up with six policy planks. And one of those six policy planks is reparations. And I was selected by Encobra to sit on the Movement for Black Lives Reparations Committee. And actually, we have been engaged for about three years now, two years that I've been involved with that committee to, yeah, well, two years the committee has been active one year later after they issued their policy statement and been working to create this uh, toolkit, which is a organizing tool for those organizations that I mentioned, a coalition of over 300 plus organizations I think over 600 organizations signed on to the policy platform that I mentioned earlier, which includes reparations. And so on July 27th, which is Queen Mother Moore's Earth Day, again, long-time activists for reparations, they were aware of that, and so they made that the target date to release this toolkit on reparations to extend um youth organizing around the reparations movement. So maybe at this time would be a good time for us to take our station ID break. Media Project would like to invite you to become a member of the BTR Community subscription-based social media platform. BTR Community is a platform that was set up for the listening audience of Black Talk Radio Network, the number one independent black radio network online. For just $24 per year, your subscription gives you access to an interactive space to share information with like-minded people with your privacy guaranteed. Your subscription will go a long way to help us maintain and improve our current media platforms. It will also help provide a budget so that we can begin the task of establishing localized media centers and radio stations across the United States. The best way to show your support and appreciation for what we do here at Black Talk Radio is to subscribe. Help us to help you be informed. Join btrcommunity.com today. You are tuned in to the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasts and live program scheduling, visit us on the web at blacktalkradionetwork.com. All right, welcome back to Conversation Reparations. We are in the middle of what I have dubbed the amazing year of the reparation movement, the amazing year of the reparations movement. We have been giving you a chronological run through the year, focusing on some of the historical highlights and convenings around reparations. So we are on, we are now in August, 
August 1st for the last five or six years now is, well, August 1st has been, has been, I won't say, honored or recognized or commemorated in, in London and in other formerly colonized countries that were colonized by the British as Emancipation Day. However, about five or six years ago, a committee came together to organize an African Emancipation Day reparations march. This is the largest grassroots um, organized effort to bring people together every year now in London, England. Um, you can uh, Google some of the videos. Um, this is a powerful, powerful uh, gathering of activists um, and to bring attention to the issue of reparations, to, to, to heighten the demand for reparations. And they have organized themselves very in a very sophisticated way where they have different contingents that support this march in London. They have a youth contingency, they have workers, they have grassroots organizations, labor um, unions, and they have organized and they continue to uh, lift up the demand. They have, uh, and also they are, can be found in various social media outlets, platforms. They, are, they have a website and Facebook page and others information if you want to find out more about the annual August 1st African Emancipation Day reparations march held in London, England. August 9th through the 10th, August the, I want to say 9th, well, one of those days was the actual fifth anniversary of the murder of uh, Michael Brown in Ferguson. And the beginning of the Ferguson was now called the Ferguson Uprising. So to mark the fifth anniversary of the Ferguson Uprising, the Fellowship of Reconciliation, uh, uh, Truth and Reparations, and the Truth Telling Project, and in COBRA, and other organizations came together and organized what we called a National Grassroots Reparations Convening in Ferguson. And we went to Ground Zero to where, to the apartment complex, and there were ceremonies there, but more importantly, there was a several days of conversations around reparations as it connects to police brutality but and, and just in general heightening the conversation around reparations. And so the Queen Mother of the the female co chair of the of National and Cobra attended that gathering along with myself and others from the Cobra of the Cobra leadership. And actually, which I didn't have here on my timeline, but nobody knows of me, but also at that same time, there was a gathering of the Black is Back Coalition, also um, in St. Louis at the same time, uh, where they also had a very powerful uh, reparations panel, which included Cam Howard, the male co-chair of Encobra, the national male co-chair of Encobra. 
It also included Charles Barron, who is a state elected official in the state of New York who has introduced a bill at the state level to create a reparations commission for the state of New York. In addition, he also has passed a resolution when he was a city councilman in New York to create a cream of the more reparations bill there. And I feel like I'm leaving out someone. There was a woman who called in, who was who Skyped in, who ran for office in Florida uh, as part of the Black is Black and Who movement, and she ran on a reparations platform. That was her platform. And she talked about how uh, reparations can be applied at the local city level in terms of public policy and how reparations is a significant issue and a significant lens or framework to frame even public policy as it relates to uh, city policy in uh, Florida or really anywhere, but Florida in terms of the space that she's running in. And so that panel was held uh, as uh, the same weekend in St. Louis as well. Like I said, there's so many conferences, and I, and I feel like I, I, I'm somebody, just to, to, so people will know that I'm not, I don't want to feel like I'm doing injustice to the conferences and conventions and convenings on reparations, many, many, many conferences and conventions and convenings um, that have happened um, in 2019. Uh, August the 11th, we declare the National Day of reparations for faith and spiritual communities. Again, modeling after the event that we had in Atlanta, I mentioned earlier in May, we extended it out to other faith-based organizations, particularly European-American Christian denominations, as well as Jewish synagogues and others, to uh, encourage them to do more and financially supporting the reparations movement and doing what we call reparative justice and identifying uh, black-led grassroots organizations in their communities that they can support as well. August the 20th, so we just mark August the 20th, as mentioned earlier, as the actual date of the 400th anniversary of a ship carrying enslaved Africans which arrived in Port Comfort. Um, some people grew up learning Jamestown, but the history has been corrected as that they, were, they arrived in Port Comfort, um, which is now Fort Monroe inside of Hampton, Virginia. This landing marked the beginning of enslavement in British North America. So there was quite a bit of activity done in uh, Hampton, Virginia, in that area that we can actually, the whole state of Virginia throughout this year uh, had different panels and workshops and conferences and lectures and a special dance ballet was was commissioned to address the 400th anniversary of people of African descent being in the United States uh, and but that culminated on August 23rd, 25th, which is the weekend 
and that was termed the African Arrival Commemoration in Fort Monroe and Visitor Center. This is the, yeah, so yeah. So that was also August 23rd itself is another UN date. UN, the UNESCO, and UNESCO established the 23rd of August every year as International Day for the Remembrance of the Slave Trade and its Abolition pay tribute to all those who fought for freedom and to continue teaching about their story and their values. So August 23rd is another date that people internationally are encouraged to create uh, forums or educational um, educational platforms where people can learn more about slave trade and abolition. Again, established by UNESCO, the United Nations. All right. Moving into September. So September the 12th, Virginia Theological Seminary announces that it will put $1.7 million into a reparations fund. Again, many of these initiatives come based on reports, internal research that these organizations that these institutions, these college institutions have done, and along with activism from faculty and students as well. And so we have attempted to reach out to, not attempted, we actually have reached and spoke to one of the uh, faculty members at the Virginia Theological Seminary. We will work on arranging to bring him on to speak more detail in one of our future episodes around what is happening with their particular reparations um, activities at Virginia Theological Seminary. I'm not sure of the exact date, but we know in September a group of elementary school students uh, in Louisville, Kentucky, released a reparations video. And we have talked about that on this show, on on previous shows as well, and actually played the the video, as well as talked about some of the feedback that the young people got from this video, some of the push, some of the positive, and then some of the not-so-positive feedback that the young people um, received as a result. This video was done after the young people had gone to Selma, Alabama, and imagining other places in Alabama as well. Montgomery is not far away. But particularly, we know Selma, Alabama specifically because some of the video shot on the Edmund Pettus Bridge in Selma, Alabama, and they talk about Selma in the rap. And it's just a little forward note is is that the Encobra National Convention 2020 will be in Selma, Alabama uh, in June 2020. Uh, October the 4th was the National Encobra Youth Virtual Summit hosted by the Youth Commission of Encobra. Again, we did a whole episode on that as well. Had the male co-chair of the 
of the Youth Commission of Encobra to speak about the Youth Virtual Summit. Uh, Beto O'Rourke, presidential candidate Beto O'Rourke at the time, spoke on the summit as well as we had uh, youth leaders to speak about reparations. We had a winner from a reparations essay competition that Encobra did earlier in the year to read her essay. And and so we are proud that Encobra is working diligently to engage young people in this movement for reparations. We know that there is uh, Queen Mother Moore used to say there is no success without successors. And we know that this is an intergenerational fight. The demand for reparations has gone on from before enslavement period ended in 1865, if we want to use that as a marker, and all the way up through to now, there's been an unbroken chain of people who have organizations and individuals who have called for reparations in different forms. And so, and COBRA understands that we must continue to invite and incorporate young people into this movement, into this work, into this fight and demand for reparations. And even once reparations is achieved, our work won't be done because we know we have seen how with reconstruction and, and, and other things, we have seen how sometimes when advances are made, there's often backlash. So, you know, some people, I've shared with some people that after reparations is done, in COBRA and reparations movement work won't be done because we will have to work to continue to maintain reparations, to protect reparations, and to advance reparations because reparations is a process. So whatever uh, reparations demands are achieved, we will continue to build on them and continue to advance them. So the work will continue even after uh, we continue with, with reparations, victories, success. Also, the same weekend of October the 4th and 5th, um, again, talking about young people, was hashtag ADOS, African Descendants of Slavery, had their first national convening in Louisville, Kentucky. That convening um, was over 2,000 people. Again, um, interesting to note Marion Williamson, who we spoke about earlier, announced her run for presidency was one of the speakers at that at their conference in Louisville, as well as Killer Mike, who is an activist hip hop artist, and I believe Cornell West attended as well. So, continuing in October was the fall. I spoke earlier of the university studying slavery spring and fall convening, um, and we actually did a show on the fall convening, so we won't go into a whole lot of detail. You can go back to that episode uh, when we spoke about University Studying Slavery Fall uh, Symposium, again, where we had the woman from one of the descendants of the Georgetown G2, GU-272, as well as we had the primary organizer uh, host of the convention of the conference in Ohio and she was also one of the um, guests that we interviewed on that show uh, again we just want to note that part of that that convening was two reparations 
panels were a part of that uh, convening as well. So we continue to make sure that the conversation around slavery is also infused with the conversation of reparations. October 21st, um, this goes back to the earlier date I mentioned, April 2nd, where the Princeton Theological Seminary agrees to put $28 million into a reparations fund, the largest amount to date from a college or university institution in the United States. And even from what I, and we even spoke about that as well, and the college students, um, the students at Princeton Theological felt that that was not an adequate amount based on the percentage of the money that was put into the endowment from a, uh, a person who was um, a slaveholder. And so they calculated a, a higher amount that they felt like should be put in the fund. And again, we will continue to follow these reparations landmarks, and we seek to, in future episodes, we will bring on someone from Princeton Theological Seminary to discuss what is, how that $28 million and, and how that movement is moving forward and, and what is happening along, the, along that in, at Princeton Theological Seminary. And as I mentioned earlier, that um, October 27th was actually the tra transition date of Congressperson John Conyers, again, an icon for people of African descent and, the, and a champion for reparations. He is a person that put forward the, the bill, H.R. 40, initially before he left office and it was picked up by Sheila Jackson Lee for close to 30 years, every year reintroducing the bill, every year fighting to get the bill out of committee. And so we take a pause and recognize, again, his transition from Congressperson John Conyers, Jr., um, advocate and champion for reparations transitioned on October 27th of this year. And on November 6th, uh, that's the news article. I'm not sure that's the exact date. However, the news article of Ben and Jerry's, the ice cream company, they issued a statement of their support for reparations and specifically for the reparations bill HR 40, they said they will they will begin to advocate and support our demand for reparations and specifically passing of the bill HR 40. We have also sought to get a representative from Ben and Jerry's to come on our show as well, and we will do that. Um, also, around that same time in November. The Prime Minister of Antigua and Barbuda demands reparations in a formal letter to the Harvard, um, of, demands reparations of Harvard University in a formal letter sent to the President of Harvard. Uh, this is based on the fact that uh, a large portion of the money, if not all of it, I'm not sure of the details right now, of the money to create Harvard Law School, again, comes from off the backs of enslaved Africans in Antigua and Barbuda. 
And again, we will seek to bring a show more to bring more detail about that uh, demand. I understand there's been some follow-up or response from Harvard University, and so we will continue to track that um, reparations demand as well of Harvard being made by the people of Antigua and Barbuda coming through the prime minister. November 30th, uh, again, our last show, we talked about a, a monumental uh, historical marker again on the reparations journey where the city of Evansville, Illinois, passed a resolution led by Alderperson Robin Simmons, who passed a resolution in the city of Evanston to create a reparations fund up to $10 million coming f- using the money that the city will make from taxes on the sale of marijuana, the city of, excuse me, the state of Illinois um, passed resolution to uh, allow the sale of marijuana in Illinois and so the taxes that Everston will create from that, they will put into a fund to be dispersed as a reparations fund for people of African descent in Everston. Again, you can hear the full interview that we did with the older woman, Robin Simmons, was our last show we did. And I also want to, again, shout out Brother Cam Howard for arranging that. Everton is on a suburb of, of Chicago, so he is connected to that fight and, and, and has worked with, and as she said herself, helped to guide her in the process of um, of that, as well as he, as well as um, Cam testified at the city council as well. So, again, historical markers even as we come into the end of the year. And then the last report out we want to give, and I just saw this today, is that, and you can find this in the Washington Post, dated December the 13th, 2019, Delegates of the Union for Reform Judaism at their biannual meeting, again in Chicago, interestingly enough, voted to overwhelmingly to advocate for the creation of a federal commission to study and develop proposals for reparations for African Americans for slavery. So they have uh, passed a resolution in support of H.R. 40 to uh, advocate for HR 40, and again, we will work to get a representative or two from that formation, the Union of Reform Judaism, and to speak more in detail and let us know what they plan to do around that and how we Hopefully, we'll uh, partner with them in doing that. And also, I've, I left out one um, one key organization I think that should be lifted up is the National Educators Association, which is the largest 
labor union in the United States also, I believe it was in the summer, passed a resolution. I think it was shortly after the COBRA convention, actually, that they passed a resolution to support H.R. 40 and to advocate for H.R. 40. And so this has been a phenomenal year. Let me do a time check, see where we are. Okay. We right at the end of the show. I just wanted to mention that I mentioned New York, but also the state of Vermont and Pennsylvania. And we did a we talked about this on, again on one of the episodes that the state of um, Pennsylvania uh, state legislator Rob has uh, taken initiative to introduce a statewide commission reparations commission for the state of. Pennsylvania, Vermont, there's also a bill to introduce a reparations commission for the state of Vermont. There's also a reparations bill that has been passed in Chicago to create a reparations commission in Chicago. I'm sorry, the bill hasn't been passed. It's been introduced to create a reparations commission in Chicago. Again, some of these things we have talked about on our previous episodes. Uh, in addition to that, we didn't mention that in the presidential debates, reparations was also brought up and discussed. We also know that in this past year, there's been, I don't even know how many dozens or dozens of articles have been written on reparations this year. And also, 2019 represents the 100th anniversary of Red Summer. Red Summer was declared based on how many in 1919 there was so many uh, racial riots or massacres uh, against our people all throughout the nation um, that it was dubbed Red Summer. So this year, again, um, organizations and communities organized commemorations throughout the United States in linking um, in this looking at to recognize in recognition of Red Summer and again many of those conversations <clears throat> also included HR 40 and reparations and at this point as the last time at, at, my, at our last check in HR 40 has a record 119 co-sponsors I, I don't think in since I've been active within COBRA HR 40 has ever had more than 40 or 50 co-sponsors, and right now we have 119, as of the last time I checked in, uh, co-sponsors of HR 40, and Cory Booker's companion bill, Senate Bill 1083, also has 16 co-sponsors, so that's 16 out of 100 U.S. Senators. So that is, so we're going to end on that note. And that is the amazing year of reparations, of the reparations movement, the amazing year of the reparations movement, or a recap of the of reparations uh, highlights through, for 2019 as we do the last show for the 2019. And so we... Hope that these shows have been educational and informative. As I said, we've worked to bring you information historically as well as current and 
and bring you the people who are actually making the reparations history to the best of our ability. And we will continue to do that moving into 2020. And we're excited to have this platform to get information out about reparations and in COBRA and what we are doing. So you can continue to find out what's going on with Encobra and the reparations movement at our website, www.encobraonline.org. That's N-C-O-B-R-A, encobraonline.org. You can reach Brother Jamoke directly for interviews or speaking engagements at reparationsj at gmail.com. That's reparationsj reparations, the letter J, at gmail.com. And we encourage you to consider supporting Encobra in this holiday and giving season, whether you celebrate Christmas or, or Kwanzaa or what have you. We consider we would like to you to consider supporting Encobra. You can go to our website and make a donation. You can go to our website and join as a member. And we also invite you to consider talking, supporting blacktalkradionetwork.com um, financially as well. So, again, we say um, until we speak again next year, um, we wish you peace and prosperity and good health and reparations now. Conversation reparations, conversation reparations, conversation reparations. America bounced the check, and no, it ain't all about the dough, but my people still pull reparations to so just give me what you owe. No, we won't renounce the debt, America bounced the check, and no, it ain't all about the dough, but my people still pull reparations to so just give me what you owe. Capitalists are the enemy, but we get treated like the villain when prison is homicide, cause they making a killing, and war generates more loot, so that's why Bush is going off, half cocked like Joey Butter. Like an ATM machine, the economy's at its lowest. My 